Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Hello and welcome back to our Emerge series. Welcome back to Riverside Online. We're taking time over the next few weeks in this series to process what's been happening to us over the past 12 months through the COVID pandemic and also prepare ourselves for the new future that we're entering into. If you missed Keely's talk last week, she did an excellent uh, talk on paying attention to grief and loss and you can catch up with that on our website. If you missed the first talk in the series as well, that's there. I really encourage you uh, to keep in step with us as we go through this series. We're all journeying together as we emerge into this post-COVID future. At the start of this series, we showed you an emotional graph, a roller coaster, if you will, of, of the journey that we've been on through COVID. And the last half of that graph sort of forecasted and spoke of the uncertainty that we're going to be entering into as we come out of lockdown in the next few months. We talked about how initially I think we'll enter a honeymoon period when we'll be so glad to get together with friends and family, so glad to be able to plan and do things we haven't been able to do, to gather together, to go to places, to go to cinemas, to go to restaurants, to eat inside rather than just sit outside, and maybe go to theatres. All the things that we've missed, we'll be able to re-engage with and enjoy doing once again. But I think following this initial honeymoon period, there will be a time of, of readjustment, a time particularly, I think, of a degree of uncertainty, not being sure what things will look like in this new future. I think we'll realise that we've changed, we've been affected by COVID. I think we'll realise other people have changed as well. And I think we'll see that COVID has left its imprints on every one of us in one way or another. And we're going to enter a period of readjustment. We could talk about it being like the confusing in-between time of, of navigating a degree of uncertainty of what the future will look like for each one of us. And it's this confusing in-between time I want to focus on today as we speak. I think most of us like the drama, don't we, of a good mystery story. We love the, uh, watching the characters go through uh, travel through unknown anxieties and trauma and we just love to, to watch on from the safety of our armchairs and the security of our, of our TVs or our books and actually just watch on as these characters navigate the unknown, navigate uncertainty. And we love to observe but we don't, I think, like to find ourselves in the same situation. But most of our lives in reality is shaped by transition. We are often journeying from one thing to another, travelling through these confusing in-between times. Life just doesn't stay still, no matter how much we'd like it to. Everything is constantly in flux. Our circumstances, our age, uh, our relationships, our, our circ- everything just is, is in change all the time. We're, we're, life is constantly moving dynamically around us. And this movement does create a degree of uncertainty. Now you might be watching today or listening today and thinking, well, my life actually is pretty static. Well, to be honest, not one of us is static because we live on a planet that revolves at a thousand miles an hour. Every one of you is doing a thousand miles an hour as you sit or listen somewhere today. If you sit still on a chair, 
you're still doing a thousand miles an hour whether you want to or not. And not only does our planet spin on its axis, but it also is in a huge orbit around the sun. And it's traveling at 67,000 miles an hour as it travels around the sun. And even at this speed, it takes a year to do one full circuit of the sun. And if that wasn't enough motion for you, our whole solar system, the sun and the eight planets, plus the recently relegated poor old Pluto, who was the ninth planet, but no longer a planet, that the solar system is itself traveling around the Milky Way, the galaxy in which we're in. And we're doing 514,000 miles an hour as we travel through space as a solar system. So much movement, so much taking place in our universe. And when the astronomer Galileo first observed this movement through a telescope and began to speak about it, the church wasn't happy. They, st- they actually told him to stop speaking heresy. Back in, uh, back in the 1600s, he, he began to observe the movement of the planets and the sun. But the church wasn't happy. It, it took scriptures like Psalm 104, verse 5, which says, He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. And the church had taken a verse like that from the psalmist and, and literally applied it totally literally. So as far as they were concerned, the earth couldn't move. Everything actually moved around the earth. The earth must be the centre of the universe because God had clearly said so in his word. So on June 22nd in 1633, they arrested Galileo. And uh, this is what they said to him as they, as they basically put him on trial. They said, we pronounce, judge and declare that you, the said Galileo, have rendered yourself vehemently suspect by this holy office of heresy. So basically, you're speaking heresy, Galileo, because you believe and hold a doctrine which is a false doctrine and contrary to the holy and divine scriptures. You believe the sun is the center of the solar system and, uh, and, and the sun doesn't move from east to west. In fact, the earth moves and isn't the center of the world. And so the church imprisoned Galileo. And poor old Galileo, under the pressure of, of, this, of, the, of, the, of the institutional church, agreed not to speak any more about this heresy. And uh, he was put under house arrest for the rest of his life. And it took more than 300 years for the church to apologize and basically say they got it wrong as far as the universe is concerned. And so God has set us all in motion. We're on a planet that's in motion. We're in a solar system that's in motion. We're in a galaxy that's in motion. And I think even though this is the truth, we spend a lot of our lives trying to distract ourselves from this reality. We'd much rather that our lives are stable and static and stationary. We feel, we feel more secure that way. I was walking home from, a, from the beach the other day and the sun was setting and I was, I was walking through a housing estate. And what struck me was that I walked past all the houses, virtually every house, I could see the light of a large flat screen TV shining through the window. And it set me thinking, how much time do we spend as human beings just being captivated by tiny, blinking, coloured lights, distracting ourselves from the realities of the universe that we live in? And we all do it, don't we? We all want to distract ourselves from the great unknown, from the uncertainty of being in life that is constantly in motion, moving us from one thing to the next. But if God really did design the universe, and it's a universe in motion, 
and he really did design us in his image, then I think he wants to meet us in the unknown, in that in-between, in that mystery of motion of movement. Today I want to look at uh, a mysterious encounter in the Gospels, in Matthew's Gospel. The story starts with the death of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' relative and friend. John had upset the king Herod by speaking out against Herod taking his brother's wife Herodias. And so Herod wasn't pleased with John and he arrested John and imprisoned him. And really he wanted John dead, but he was fearful of what the people might say. But then a party was held for Herod on his birthday and Herodias' daughter danced for Herod and for the guests. And Herod was so enamoured by her that he promised her publicly in front of everyone, he said, whatever you want, you can have. And so Herodias whispered in her daughter's ear, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so not willing to lose face, Herod instructed that John be beheaded and, and the girl's request was granted. And when Jesus heard about her, John's death, he retreated. He wanted to retreat to a solitary place to mourn and to grieve. But on the way to the solitary place, the crowds found out where he was heading and thousands followed him. And so when he landed on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, there were thousands there waiting for him. And rather than retreat, he had compassion on them, Matthew says, and he, and he healed their sick and he taught them and he even miraculously fed them by multiplying uh, a number of loaves and fish. Let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 22. So Jesus is just coming to the end of this day of teaching and healing and incredible miraculous provision and the sun is setting. And this is what it says from verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went onto a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, began to, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And what strikes me about this very famous biblical story is that Jesus seemed to want to orchestrate uh, a, a meeting in the unknown, in the mystery. He wanted to create a unique kind of encounter with his disciples. And Matthew tells he. he he made the disciples get into the boat. That The word that's used there uh, when it says um, immediately Jesus made the disciples, it's a word to constrain, to force. Jesus was very forceful about saying, guys, you get in the boat, you go on without me, you go ahead of me. I've got other things I need to do. And it seems 
Jesus left the disciples no choice but to go on across the lake without him. Now imagine for a moment you were there, you were one of the disciples, you were experiencing that day. And I think you'd think it was an incredible day. You'd seen Jesus heal, you'd seen him uh, teach, you'd seen him miraculously feed thousands of people. I think if I'd have been there, I'd have been buzzing. It would be the best one day Jesus conference ever. And I've been looking to forward to when the crowds kind of dissipated and I could hang out with Jesus and we could have a chill debrief and just celebrate all that had happened that day. But then you find out Jesus has other ideas. He dismisses you. He says, you get in the boat and you go. And I think if I was there, I'd think, well, maybe I've upset him. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe he's dismissing me. You know, I'm on the naughty step. I'm basically being sent away. And it must have been a confusing thing for the disciples to do. What, why was Jesus sending them away? Normally he, he went with them, they followed him, but this was something completely different. And he tells you, he forces you into the boat and says, no explanation, you go, cross the lake, and basically that's what you need to do. No, no, no reason, no explanation. And the sun's setting, it's getting dark, and the wind's coming up, and you sense there's a storm about to come on the, on the Sea of Galilee, this, this huge lake, which is called a sea, it's so large. And uh, you look out into the night and that's where Jesus is sending you alone in this small boat. And I think I'd find that a very confusing time. Why was Jesus doing this? You know, what, what's, what was going on? But the disciples, they get into the boat and they set off into the darkness, into the unknownness the mystery that awaits them on the lake. And they row all night. They row and they row and the wind's against them and the waves are against them. They must have been fearful that they, the boat would be swamped and they would be drowned. And it's dark and they're exhausted and they're cold and they're scared. And they're probably saying, Jesus, you know, why, why has he done this to us? Why has he left us here? Why has he done this? Why has he forced us into this situation? You know, where is he? What's going on? Where was Jesus? Why would he leave them like this? And I think we've all experienced similar times, haven't we, in our own lives, and it feels like we're in the middle of a storm. We're scared, we can't see, it's dark, and we're saying, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? I need you now, where are you? I can't see you. I'm, I fear, I'm fearful of being swamped by life's storms. The disciples, they battle on. They battle on through the wind and the waves, and then just before dawn, they see a ghostly apparition approaching them across the water. And they must have been terrified. They must have thought maybe the spirits of the dead have kind of risen up, the drowned have risen up to kind of come and take them. And they, they cried out in terror, Matthew tells us. But then a voice rings out over the water. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. The voice of Jesus reaches them above the wind and the waves. And while they've been wrestling with the wind and the waves on the lake, Jesus has been wrestling alone in prayer. Matthew tells us that after he's dismissed them, he dismisses the crowds and he goes onto a mountainside to pray on his own through all through the night. He prays on his own. We don't know what he's praying for. Matthew doesn't tell us. But we know he's alone and he's praying and then he walks out to meet his disciples in the middle of the lake. And I think at this point, the disciples will be at the end of themselves, physically, emotionally, 
And that's when Jesus makes his appearance. That's when Jesus meets them in the mystery, in the unknown, in the uncertainty. And I think he created an encounter for them specifically to be this way. He wanted to meet them in a way that was unique to the situation, unique to the challenge they were facing. One of the disciples, Peter, he wants to go further. He wants to go even more into the unknown. He says to Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the water. I want to come to you. I want to go, I want to go out to the security of this boat and I want to meet you on the water. And there's lots been written about this and there's books been written about this. And I don't think Peter was really interested in walking on water. I don't think that's what he wanted to do. I think he just felt to be closer to Jesus was the best place to be. Jesus had been away from them for a while and they'd gone through this, this trauma of the storm and the lake. And I think even though the boat offered some security, I think Peter wanted to be closer, close as he could be to Jesus. So he, he says, Lord, if it's you, I want to come and be with you. Call me to you. And Jesus just says, come. So Peter steps out of the boat and begins to make his way across the water to Jesus. And I think there's a bit of Peter in all of us. I think deep down we all want to meet God in the mystery. We all want to meet God in a way that goes beyond our own limitations or our own capabilities. We want to encounter some of that, 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 that greater sense of who God is that goes beyond who we are. We want to connect with the supernatural, the supernatural God. I think Peter was hungry to do this. He wanted to meet God in the mystery of that night. So Peter steps out of the boat and begins to make his way across the water. We don't know how far away Jesus was. We don't know whether it was a short distance or a long distance. We don't know whether Jesus came closer to make it easy for Peter. We don't know any of these details. But in a sense, it doesn't matter. You can't walk on water. It doesn't matter whether Jesus was 10 feet away or 100 feet away. The water wouldn't hold him up, even though the magician Dynamo would try and convince us otherwise when he walked on the Thames to, to launch his new TV series back in 2011. But there's no gimmicks here in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night. There's no gimmicks. There's just water, a storm, and there's Jesus standing on the water. And Peter wants to be close to him. And I think Jesus is inviting us all into the mystery where we end and where he begins. He wants to meet us in the unknown. He wants to meet us in the place where we feel most confused, most uncertain. That's where Jesus wants to meet us and demonstrate his love and his power to us. I think the boat represents the, fi the finite, the, the normal, the ordinary in the story. And Jesus standing on the water represents the, the infinite, the eternal, the supernatural, the, it represents the reality of the coming kingdom that Jesus is ushering in and declaring and demonstrating. By standing on the water that night, he was demonstrating his authority over creation. He was, he was being a Lord in the midst of that storm and he was inviting his disciples to encounter him in a new way. I often wonder whether all the disciples were supposed to get out the boat and join Jesus on the water, but we don't, we don't know. Only Peter seemingly wanted to go that extra step. Peter walks towards Jesus on the water. And we can only imagine what that must have felt like and what must have, that must have seemed like to Peter. He was walking into the reality of the new kingdom that Jesus was announcing and demonstrating. And I can imagine 
Jesus willing him to keep eye contact with him, you know, keep focused on me, kind of ignore what's around you. But, but like all of us, you know, Peter got glimpses at the edge of his vision of the, of the storm and the waves and the sea. And suddenly he, he began to doubt. The old reality began to grip him and he began to sink and be dragged down by his fear. And when he does, he cries out the best prayer that any of us can ever pray. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out a hand and basically pulls him up from the waves. And most artwork I've seen on this just shows a serene Jesus on a serene lake with some doe-eyed disciples. But I think this picture probably best describes what that, that scene must have been like for Peter. Just the, just the chaos of the storm and the night and this ethereal figure of Jesus being present on the lake. I think we can forget at this point that Peter had already seen Jesus take command of a storm. Back in Matthew chapter 8, he's in a boat and the, the disciples are fearful of being drowned, of being swamped, and Jesus commands the wind and the waves to die down. So this is not something, in a sense, new for Peter. So, so, so Jesus says to him, you know, what, why? Why is your faith so small? Why do you doubt? And the truth is, guys, when we forget, we fear. When we forget who God is, when we forget who Jesus is, we begin to fear. Fear seeps in. And fear can sink us. Fear can sink us. And in the midst of the unknown, the best thing we can do is to focus on Jesus. Focus on the person of Jesus. Who he is, what he's done, and what he says he's going to do. So Jesus says, Peter, you, you've, you've seen me take dominion over the waves and the wind. Why? Why is your faith so small? Why are you fearing? I don't think Jesus was upset with Peter. I think he was just trying to probe Peter and say, Peter, remember. Remember who I am. Remember what I've said. Remember what I'm doing. You know, you can have faith and trust in me. I'm bigger than the storm. I'm bigger than the lake. I'm bigger than the wind and the waves. I'm bigger than anything unknown that you might ever encounter. I'm bigger. You could trust in me. I think a huge part of our faith is holding on to Jesus in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the uncertainty, in those confusing in-between times. God has made us to journey with him through the mystery of life. Everything is in motion. Everything is transitioning and we're called to journey with God into this new reality of the coming kingdom that Jesus promised and talked about. And God promises to be right there with us in the midst of the journey. The disciples had a new revelation of who Jesus was that night. It says they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Fresh worship sprang from their hearts because of this encounter on the lake that night. Their understanding of who Jesus was was strengthened as they encountered him in the unknown, in the mystery. And I think what's interesting, Jesus gets back into the boat with Peter and they, they head back to the shore. Jesus could have quite easily just walked the rest of the way. He didn't need the boat. But he re-entered their ordinary. He re-engaged with them where they were. And I think God will always be with us in the ordinary, in the everyday. But he also wants to meet us in the mystery. The place where we end and he 
fully begins. When Jesus was questioned about what God required of people, he said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And that word there, believe, means to completely trust, to, to unconditionally trust everything to Jesus, to, to, to most modern translation you can think of is to relax into Jesus, a lifestyle of continued trust, regardless of circumstance. We face an uncertain future, don't we, post-COVID? We face uncertain times. We face a journey into a degree of unknownness. But Jesus is ready and able to meet us in that future. You could say he's already waiting for us to meet him in that mystery. And in fact, that's often where Jesus does his best work in our lives, when we come to the end of ourselves and we begin to connect with him and really lean into him and encounter him. So what might it look like for you to meet God in the mystery? We've already talked about in this series the rule of life, some helpful intentional habits you can put in place. We've talked about, Keely talked about paying attention to grief and loss. What might it look like as we prepare for the future for you to surrender more to meeting God in the unknown, in the mystery? Because the temptation is to distract ourselves, is to pay attention to the blinking coloured lights and to hope that the unknown isn't there. You know, we don't have to journey through it, but actually that is the journey God calls us on. He calls us into the mystery of the coming kingdom and the future. And even though we can be anxious about that, God says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And in fact, in those times, God often meets us most powerfully as we surrender into him and we increase our trust in him. You know, those disciples have been working so hard on those oars but they were getting virtually nowhere in the storm. Yet Jesus appears and everything changes. I think we can say God designed you and I to meet him in the mystery. So in the coming weeks and days, let's, let's, let's try and surrender more to God. Let's, let's try and let go of control. I think what COVID has shown us is that any illusion of control really is just that. We, we, we don't control our universe. We don't control our circumstances in the way that we think we do. And that can create fear in us and anxiety. But if we realise that actually God's in control, we can trust the person of Jesus. We can, we can surrender and relax into him. We can believe upon him. Then we can have those incredible encounters in the unknown and in the mystery. So let's commit to trying to meet him there. Let's commit to reaffirm him as Lord of our lives. Let's entrust our lives to him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible story. We thank you, Jesus, that you walked out to meet those disciples in the way you did. We thank you that you created an encounter that led them to a deeper revelation of you are, who you are. They, when you got into that boat, they said, truly, truly, you are the Son of God. This has convinced us and God, we know that as we meet you in the mystery, as we meet you in the unknown, God, our faith is deepened and strengthened in who you are and what you will do in us and through us, God. So I just pray, God, that we won't look to the next few months with anxiety, God, but we'll look for an opportunity to lean deeper into you, to trust you more, to find you in the unknown, to find you in the mystery. Help us all, God, to 
to be willing to go out into those places, God, where you're waiting for us. And we ask this in your precious, precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.